Hey everyone and welcome to episode 17 of the Audience Please podcast with me, your host, Adam. So in this episode, it's another one of my live interviews. This time I caught up with Harry and Tom of Holy Rod's Holy Raw Records band Modern Rituals and caught up with them on the day they released a couple of songs, um, Thick Wall and A Remark Is An Order. So we talked a bit around that and their album that they released this year called This Is History, which is an absolutely superb album. And it was a really great chat. We talked a lot around their recording process and how heavily Tom has been involved since he's been in the band. So yeah, really, really great chat. Uh, if you do like this episode, please do go and check out the others available and like, subscribe and review on all of the platforms. Also, last thing before we kick off the episode, I do have some t-shirts up for sale. These are available on Bandcamp and the link is on the Audience Please podcast Facebook page on the shop tab. And £5 from every shirt goes to Black Minds Matter. I've raised about 200 quid already so far, which is absolutely fantastic, but would love to sell those out and raise a bit more money for them. Anyway, enjoy the episode, everyone, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. It's fine. We were just talking about delays um, yeah. before coming on, so people watching. Um, so if there's a bit of stuttering and delay, uh, do excuse us. Um, and yeah, thanks for Harry and Tom from Modern Rituals for, for joining today. Um, and we're going to talk a bit around, obviously, the new tracks that have come out today um, and hopefully around their top gigs played and been to as well. So, yeah, thanks, guys. So how have you both been? How's lockdown been treating you and what you've been doing to keep busy? I'll let Tom go first in case there's delay. <laughs> sure. um, so, yeah, I've, I've been well, thanks. Um, lockdown has been very strange. Um, so, yeah, my, uh, my job is uh, co-running a recording studio in South London called The Bookhouse uh, with my friend uh, Ian Hansen. Um, and, yeah, we just haven't had clients in for a few months, so it's been strange adjusting and strange trying to get work in. Um, but luckily I've had loads of mixing stuff and it's been pretty fun. Um, so, yeah, I'm healthy. <laughs> People close to me are healthy, so it's, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. yeah. How about you, Harry? Yeah, similarly, I've been um, I've been okay. Um, my work's continued, so that's been fine. But um, I've had a lot of time to focus on um, actually doing a lot a lot more music on my own, um, and that's been good. I think I've written a lot of music over this time, which has been a, a sort of nice opportunity for my side. But and as Tom said, I've 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 not had any uh, close relatives or friends fall ill or anything. So um, my, I can't really complain about anything at the moment. But that's that's what I've been up to. Nice. Um, so you, you say you've been writing a bit of music. Is that um, some solo stuff or more modern rituals? It's been, it's been modern ritual stuff because I, we've sort of been playing around with new, uh, new ways of writing and actually experimenting with these methods sort of uh, doing things remotely has really taught us things I think we'll probably t take forward with us. Um, so we're, 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 we're writing, but I think it's probably going to go towards some kind of lengthy new thing. I know we thought an EP, but it might be a bit longer. Um, and um yeah so currently everyone's doing their parts gradually and um yeah it's, it's been quite fun actually to in that respect to uh learn these new ways of, of writing like that so uh, yeah yeah it's, it's, yeah it's interesting you say that because um a lot of the the people i know in bands have really had to adapt and evolve i, I think i mentioned it on the last time i was on but like john uh, for example from john newton from john yeah. um he 
he's a drummer and vocalist by trade and he's uh, just ended up writing two like electronic singles and they sound fantastic and he was he was talking about that the other day about having to sort of adapt and evolve in these times so yeah it's really yeah. wicked to hear you guys are still still writing um yeah. so yeah before before we dive into what you released today the the two songs um i wanted to ask around your influences of modern rituals and as individuals because to be honest, I find it really hard to pinpoint modern ritual sounds. You're not, you're not a hardcore band. You're, you're not a noise band. You're, you're not this. You're not that. So yeah, I just really want to know what your influences and drives were behind the band. Well, t- Tom, did you want to go for that one first before me? I feel like, yeah. So I think I'll. I don't. I don't want to speak for Harry, and I won't speak for Harry. <laughs> but my interpretation of it. Um, because Harry is the main songwriter. He has the initial days ideas which he presents to us and we work from there. Um, he has loads of influences. And then I think everything gets slightly melded and like changed by uh, the three rest of us. Um, so I'm not really sure I can speak for the other two guys, uh, Jake and Bob, but um, I've basically just grown up listening to like all music that has guitars. So um, when I was younger, loads of like heavy stuff into like uh, rock and like metal. And then in the more recent years, um, if anything, I listened to more sort of like Americana and um, American country music than, than other stuff really. Uh, but I think the defining thing is I just listened to a lot of uh, emo bands that Harry probably <laughs> finds completely unbearable. <laughs> Um, no, just, uh, I, I try and get some of that in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but but I think I think the influences are, are mainly Harry's ones, and I think um, especially on the new record, some of the more dissonant stuff found its way in. Yeah, um, I'd say it, the reason why things tend to vary a lot and why we probably don't have a particularly concrete sound, which I think we're all quite happy with. Um, I think um, it probably is because each time we we do go for a, for a new release, I think each one kind of has its own sort of stance. It's sort of like yeah. the tape on it tends to vary. I think influences range definitely amongst each member. Like I know that Jake's taste in music, I've, I found it really interesting learning Jake's taste in music over the years. And um, I know that his and Rob's crossover in many ways, but I know they each also have their own sides. And like Tom said about things like emo, for example, I know that Rob and Tom are much more keen on that than myself or Jake are. Um, I think, you know, um, we've always respected each other's taste in music um, and and other things too. I think, I think aesthetics also, you know, there's influences there that come in. I I wouldn't say it's just music. I think um, trying to convey moods and um, certain um, concepts, I suppose, you you can find that across different platforms as well. but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint influences, but what I, all I wanted to say was when it began, like when this whole thing began, it was, it was me and Jake. Um, yeah. I think it was going to be an indie band. I think, you know, it was, it was vague, but it was going to be a sort of uh, Dinosaur Junior style indie band. Uh, I know that um, Chris Wallard had a big impact at the beginning. That's changed a lot, um, which, is, which is fine. But um, yeah, it's, it's, tricky, it's tricky to sort of pinpoint any yeah. influences on how, it's, how, it, how it is now, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's, but that's really cool to hear. And I suppose that's one of the reasons probably why Holy Raw picked you up as well, because uh, you look at other bands on Holy Raw right now, like Elephant Tree, A.A. Williams, um, et cetera, et cetera. We can reel off so many bands. A lot of those bands, especially like Elephant Tree is a good example. You can't really pinpoint them. You can't call them a sludge stoner band. You can't yeah. call them another style because, and I bet if, if I interviewed the, uh, that band, they would probably say a similar thing. They, pro- they probably, all the band members have different influences over the years. So that's really nice to hear as well. Yeah. I know you said... Yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to agree with the thing on Holy Raw recently. That I was looking at the roster actually the other day and just thinking the same thing. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. they've had a recent release. And, um, and Antithique, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's all I was going to say. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, um, especially with the new songs, which we'll talk about in a second, like, I pick up, like, Trail of the Dead, like, Pile, Melvins from, from your music. Um, and even though you could probably sort of put those in, in, in a box. Um, you can't at the same time because you, you say Pile and Trail of Dead and Melvins, even those bands 
<laughs> you can break down into about 40 different genres. So that's really, it's really cool to hear. So yeah, moving on to the new songs. So you released Thickwall and Remark is in order today. And I've listened to them on repeat this morning and they're both fantastic guys. So oh, thank you. Um, yeah, really great work. And yeah, I just kind of, it's really good that you've released them because they are fantastic songs. So I just wanted to know why they were sort of like left off the album. What was the thinking behind that? And obviously what you guys think of those two songs up against the, the rest of the tracks you released. Tom, do you want to go in on this? Yeah, so uh, from from my perspective, so my perspective being uh, the person receiving these like ideas from Harry and, yeah. and sort of hearing how they developed. Um, Thick Wall is one that we actually released a really, really lo-fi version of on the EP that came out last year. Um, it was just Harry and Ruben, um, the violin player who plays a lot of the stuff on This Is The History. Um, his band is called Talons. They... Um, they just played in a rehearsal room and I just set up a few mics and recorded it. And that was kind of like almost like a demo version of it that was always intended on being at some point fleshed out. So uh, the version that got released today is the fully formed version of it, how it was always intended to sound. Um, and I think it came out great. I think, I think it worked really well. Um, we still tracked the drums, bass and Harry's guitar live. Uh, most of my parts on the song are more ambient, so I just did everything afterwards. Um, but yeah, I think it came out really well. Um, a remark in is in order was one that during the album writing process changed uh, a lot. Like, I, I remember there being one practice where we came in and it was just like, was, I, don't have, I don't think it was restructuring it, but like the chord progression that carries the outro of the song changed. Uh, and it took some getting used to and like figuring out the, the mood of the song and basically my initial like perceptions of the song um, completely changed. And I think it's come out really well, but that was, a, to me, it was harder work, um, but still like equally rewarding. And it's got um, Tom from Harry's other band Sands playing additional guitar parts on it, which had yeah. quite a lot. They had quite a lot of like bounce and um, I don't know, just like more more interesting texture than if it had just been us playing in a room. Yeah. I think on that yeah. note, just um, on a remark as an order, that was, um, it, that did go through these changes, but that both songs are, 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 have got a, something in common in the sense that they were um, both songs that I developed a lot with other people, non-modern rituals members in Bristol. Um, and, um, for example, with a remark to start off with, that uh, Tom Dammit Rudd, as you just said, that began with me and um, Tom Dammit Rudd um, playing as a sort of side thing. We we're just messing around with the drum machine, and um, that was kind of why I think the, the perception of it got driven into modern rituals because I, I felt there was a lot to keep from that that manifestation of it, um, and that's why it's got that driving drum machine going underneath because it was originally played with that. Um, and that's why in the end, I think, given how it came out with Modern Rituals, all the room was still there for Tom Dammit Rudd to, to still have his parts in it. And I just thought, I love those parts, so um, so why not keep them? Um, and yeah, so I think it took shape in a very different different way to the other songs. It, it wasn't, both of them, Thick Wall as well, because it was something I played more with Ruben, just with yeah, the violin. Yeah. Uh, again, for that reason, they were both outliers in the sense that they were developed very differently to the other songs that are on the album. Um, and, and, he, and on top of that, I think just the way that they sound is, you know, they're, they're much softer songs. Um, and therefore, you know, just in that respect, I thought they, they didn't really belong on the album. Well, we, we, we decided it. It took a lot of deciding anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I think I, part... I, yeah, go on, Tom. Sorry. I, all, all I was going to say is that I think um, <laughs> the other thing to mention that part of the reason why they didn't go on the album was purely the practical... Uh, element that the vinyl was limited to however many minutes, like 22 minutes <laughs> per side. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had to get, we had to cut a couple of songs. So it wasn't that we really wanted to get rid of them. We were, we weren't yeah. like, no, nah, they're not good enough. Um, there was quite a lot of discussion that went into it. And for quite a long time, um, they were both contenders for the album. Um, but ultimately they did just stand out as being the outliers that would be more suited to like another release. But the um, a remark is in order for all of the people. And when I say all of the people, I mean probably like two people that bought a CD of the album um, as opposed to the vinyl. Um, a remark is in order is actually a hidden track at the end of the CD. Oh, um, 
So it's sort of been out for a while, but yeah, that's probably not the most useful thing to say to promote it today. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, uh, Harry, uh, you you definitely hit the nail on the head. When I listened to those two songs today, um, the the things that you've said to analyse them, like the softer songs, they're, they're outliers. You can definitely hear that, um, and I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think. Uh, from a fan's perspective, I couldn't see them on the album, but not in a bad way. Like you were saying, you could see them as their own standout release. And actually the two tracks really work well together as just that two track release. So, and like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm glad, glad you released them, but it kind of makes sense. Like what you were saying, you've had one of them started out a com- completely different beast almost. Uh, and with that electro uh, electronic drum machine, you can, Again, you can hear that it's almost like an outfl- outside influence outside of modern rituals. So yeah, yeah. It kind of all, all makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Talking about um, building the beast of uh, an album. So Tom, obviously, you were behind the mixing desk for this second album. Um, so how, in, in regards to process, do you guys find that actually having someone in the band recording you rather than having that outside influence and? Um, obviously, we we were talking before. You you much prefer making albums rather than EPs. So yeah, just talk a bit around around that whole process of making the album. I suppose. Tom, would you mind if well, I jumped in quick before? Yeah, I was going to say if you if you speak first about how it works for you, I'll try and tie it up at the end. But yeah, go for it. Because yeah, because I, I know this is this, this is a question more for Tom, but um, just um, with with just from our perspective as modern rituals, because Tom's the most recent member. He joined uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and we've obviously had experience recording with other people before. Um, and I, I, I just think that for us, it made such a huge, enormous difference to be able to have a member of the band doing it. And the fact that every, all of us could engage much more with every aspect of, of the, of the outcome of it. Um, I I think, I I just think that the, the, the change there is, was really dramatic for us because I think it did enable us to really pay attention to every minute detail. Um, and you know, and Tom's know-how Tom's, you know, we all really like the way that Tom produces music. And I think, you know, we all therefore had a lot of faith in, in, in a lot to do with it. I remember at the beginning, Tom being in his new studio, being like, Oh, I can get this drum sound by having a mic out in this bit. And all these ideas were immediately starting to sort of flow. Um, so just from my perspective, not being the producer and my, my perspective being, you know, in modern, which was before Tom, I'd say that um, it, it had a really dramatic impact and it gave, I think, actually all of us a bit more of a voice on, on the outcome of that record in, in various ways, which I think was also incredibly important. But um, yeah, that was what I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah I, I think that, that that pretty well covers it. Um, when when we were writing a lot of these songs, I think um, part of what informed how they were going to sound was just like a continuous demo process. So whether it was, um, we, we did a couple of times demoing in London, but um, also there were times where we would just set up a few mics, literally one mic over the drum kit, nothing fancy, not demos that sounded great, just demos where like, you know, rather than just using an iPhone where everything sounds like a mush, it was just everything well separated so we could actually figure out the parts, figure out parts where like the, perhaps the bass and drums weren't quite locking in or, you know, just any, any small mistakes or any small things that could have been better all got ironed out sort of in, in the writing process, just really clearly. I think some of the songs we even demoed like maybe even as many as like four times so we recorded the album really, really quickly. And I think it was two days to do the basic tracking and then maybe three days of us doing overdubs and maybe one or two days worth of Harry recording some of the overdubs in Bristol, um, like some of the strings and stuff with Ruben. Um, so like the recording press is pretty quick, um, but it was like heavily informed by the preparation. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think like, so the last record, um, last album I should say um was recorded by uh, Lewis Johns in Southampton and I really like everything he does um and I, I think that record sounded really good but just um the only real difference we wanted with this one was just to make it like as natural as possible yeah. um and I think for the most part we did I think like a couple of songs like Harry on Sith in Flesh did we do like any overdubs or was it just vocals um no, I think you're right. I think there was no overdubs. I think, yeah. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, I think most of the songs are, are pretty, um, are, are pretty much like just the band playing live with some yeah. other stuff. So there's loads of weird percussion, like Jake hitting additional drums. Um, on the weirder songs on the album, like Passageway and like Convulsor, there's lots of weird percussion of like nunchucks being rattled and hitting <laughs> on metal boxes and like rubbing old drum skins together. Um, sounds, just like sounds, anything that we thought. It sounds like uh, like Queens of Stone Age always do in the studio. They just find whatever they can, put, yeah. up, like an app, put an amp down a toilet or something. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think there was just like a really fun element of that, of... Uh, of us just messing around, but um, they they all like contributed to create either what was intended to be the heaviest, most like crazy bits of the record, or like the weirdest, most uncomfortable sounding parts of the record. But um, yeah, I think it was good. I think, as Harry said, everyone had their say. So you know, yeah. we, we worked on the backing vocals a lot before doing the actual recording. We worked on where we would want some additional keyboards that Jake. For the most part played um I, yeah i think just me it was less my influence but more that everyone was constantly talking to me in the process leading up to actually doing the real recording that kind yeah. of made the difference in how it was going to sound because yeah it was very uh um very open process really yes yeah, so do so you, because obviously you guys are split between Bristol and London. Um, you're talking around sort of like the demoing and writing process leading up to it, which sounds like a longer process, like you were saying before you actually get into the studio and put it down. Uh, finally, do you guys spend a lot of time actually in a practice room together, thrashing out ideas, or is it more back and forth, sending each other demos between Bristol and London? I think. Um, this, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I was just going to say this. Um, with the you know the pandemic the lockdown this is the first time with the new songs we're writing at the moment that we've ever done online co collaboration it's it's always been okay practice room based but yeah what you can say harry uh, yeah well once leading on from that i, I suppose m for me my comparison point is having my the band i'm in in bristol sands and we're um very much we don't do we can't do it we don't do anything outside of the practice room yeah, um, yeah. so yeah to tom's right in terms of the extremity of you know our use of of online um you know using dropbox to send stems and stuff like that, that this, this is the first time we've done that um and actually we're really uh, profiting off being able to work on parts alone i think i, I know rob, rob in particular was saying that um but yeah it was it was for for this is the history it was you know phone phone recordings of songs making it much more vague but also much more open <laughs> to interpretation um yeah. and and then yeah really fleshed out um in the practice room uh but yeah so a lot more traveling for that and hopefully less for the next one <laughs> yeah definitely cool no that's re really awesome to hear guys it's uh, really interesting to hear how you built the album and yeah it's definitely one of my most played albums at the moment um oh, and yeah i'll be smashing out those two songs a lot so yeah moving moving on to the last bit and the most fun part of the podcast um yeah talk around like the the your favorite gigs ever played um hopefully you've got you guys have made a list <laughs> yeah, um, got yeah. A list. yeah um yeah so talk a bit around that what what are your favorite shows either in modern rituals or other bands tom i'm really curious as to as to yours well, I, I'm, I'm probably the most forgetful person ever. So, <laughs> so my, mine are the best gigs that we've played that I can easily remember and recall. Um, because there might have been some that were absolute blinders that I've just completely forgotten about because I'm useless. But um, the, the ones that come to mind immediately are, and I've kind of cheated with two of these, Okay, um, I'll let you the first answer is a couple of the shows, probably most notably the um, maybe the Brighton show that we did on our tour of uh, Holding Patterns last year. Oh, um, yeah. It was before they'd put out their album, so um, they were just playing songs that nobody knew. Um, but within like one or two nights of that tour, like we were sort of like singing along and like really into it. Um, they're just like really nice dudes. Um, but yeah, the, the Brighton show um, was at the Green Door Store, which is one of our, well, one, one of my, probably one of our um, uh, it's definitely our, venues. Definitely one of ours, yeah, definitely. Yeah, love that place. Um, and um, really, really good venue. Um, the sound was really good. 
it was busy. Um, the actual lineup was really good. Um, a friend's uh, band called I Feel Fine um, were playing. Uh, they played really well. Um, as far as I remember, they played a new song, and I just remember being like, well excited to hear it. And like, yeah. um, it was just really good. It was just like the, the last day of a overall quite a successful, fun tour. Um, and it, yeah, it was just great. Um, so I had that down as like number three. Um, and then my second uh, cheating answer is both of the shows that we did with an American band called Cal Marx. Oh, um, no, I oh. think Harry had quite a big part in to play in like convincing them to to do the shows. And, you know, <laughs> um, they, yeah, so they, they came over from the, from the States with not, you know, any clear expectations of how it was going to be, whether they'd get well-attended gigs or anything. But yeah. both of them, one was the London show at DIY Space for London and uh, the Bristol show that we also played with them. Was that High Brazil, Harry? Yes, the old, uh, yeah, which is now gone. Yeah, the, uh, the old yeah. High Brazil. Yeah, yeah High, High, High mm. Brazil was a bit of a, was it um, when you go in and you go down to the left and the stage is sort of down? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember going to Dot to Dot Festival um, a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, Echo Vandal, I don't know if you guys heard Echo Vandal were playing mm -hmm. in there and I'd never been there before. And I sort of walked in and I was like, basically feels like a club. Yeah, it used to be a club called Start the Bus um, like years ago. And, and, and uh, it was, I, I preferred that, that uh, form of it. Um, I think a lot of people did, but I've seen some pretty cool shows there. But the one thing I think it lacked, especially for our gig was just the sound quality. I think it's just the shape of the room. That was the only unfortunate thing about that place. But it's now an O'Neill's. So now they just play football and serve beer and burgers. So yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> it was better. Yeah, now you can go and watch a function band play uh, for <laughs> there every fucking night. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. How, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you how did you manage to uh, get those guys over from America? Then what was your uh, sell to them? Um, well, they were they were interested to come over. We'd been in a long. It was like a couple of years of like dialogue, um, yeah. and um, they were very keen to do it. But they, you know, they're a band of a certain size playing a certain style of music. Um, and yeah, as we all know, it's very difficult to sort of cross continents to tour. Um, so I think for them, you know, they were being very carefully, well, rightfully cautious, I'd say, mm. because, you know, all their concerns were completely valid. And, and you know, it could be quite easy to be on the other side of that and just rush ahead and do it and completely screw yourselves over. So, so, um, so yeah, like, I think that it was necessary, um, but they were keen to do it and they did do it. And I, I think, you know, completely fair play to them. They had a really good experience doing it. Um, they, they ended up not completely bankrupt and they, um, and they did have some pretty good shows. I, I think the, the London show, particularly on, on that run, was really, really good for them. Like they had an incredible response. Um, and it was just, it was actually just a really nice, it felt like a huge achievement for all of us, I think, because it had taken so long to, to get that going and they were really happy. Um, and, and yeah, that, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a really good experience. That was nice. Nice. Um, so Harry, do you want to talk around your top gigs played then, mate? Well, uh, Tom, did we get your number one, or, or was that was those two and one? that 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 was part of my cheating. Yeah, they they <laughs> sort of blurred into one of me because I couldn't really choose between them. Um, yeah, and then number one was just the uh, very shortly after I joined the band, we played uh, Arc Tangent Festival, um, yeah. which is a festival I've been going to you know every year it's cancelled this year obviously due to the uh pandemic but um aside from that i've been maybe like five years in a row i've lost track now but yeah. um yeah we we played the first so we were the first band on i can't remember the name of the stage on these list like i said very forgetful but um <laughs> we played one of the smaller stages that's right next to the main stage um so when we when we sort of came out there were like a bunch of people there um, and we played the first song, but as we were playing the first song, the band on the main stage finished um, and loads of people just walked across. Um, so we went from looking out on like a handful of people to just looking out on like a packed out tent. Um, and the set went really well. And uh, it was my first time playing with everybody and, and we didn't mess anything up. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just great. It was just cool. Really good start yeah. to the day and I like, had really great time the rest of that festival. Yeah, so that was tangent. Yeah, Arc Tangent's amazing. It's yeah, my favourite festival. I think 
I've been every year except the first two years. So I don't know if that's five or six years I've been, but um, yeah, I love that. I love those moments. I've, I've seen that a lot actually um, where, especially with the way they've got it laid out now. So they've got the two stages over one side, the two stages yeah. over the other. And when that bigger band finishes and people are like, oh, I don't know where to go. And they just flood the smaller tent. The amount of times I've been stood at the same thing, stood watching with like 30 people. And you turn around, there's like 200 people there. You're like, fuck, you know? Yeah. I love those moments. Yeah. I, 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 Tom, I was, uh, I was super stoked for you that day. Cause yeah, that was Tom's first show for us. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a pretty hard thing to do. So uh, yeah, good work there, mate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so, sorry, I was just going to say that's interesting. You brought those up because you'd saying you, you're forgetful. I, I I literally couldn't think like because I just I was just trying to think back to all the gigs. And I forgot the holding patterns tour. I forgot the Cal Marx show. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, my my, my th- number three was sorry pre Tom, but that was playing with Pile at the Hundred Club in late 2016. Um. Because that was um. With, uh, with with a good good friend a good group of friends of ours called uh, who are in a band called Brunch and oh, nice. uh, early modern rituals days was was really a lot of our shows and touring was was with Brunch and we've become very close um, and Pyle were touring uh, and basically both modern rituals and Brunch were added to the show it was the first oh, time nice. we played anything you know with a band that we really really liked and all of us really liked a lot. Um, and yeah, that's it. It's the only one pre-Tom I've got, but um, but that was a really good experience for us um, because yeah, we just hadn't had that before. So yeah, we, we loved that one. Who, who was playing guitar on that one? Adrian from Brunch. It was Lid, yeah. Yeah, so Lid got to do two gigs at the Pile Show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he smashed it. It was and, and yeah, L- 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 uh, Adrian's someone who um, he's called Lid because he gave someone a pen back without the lid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what's there? What's the in joke there? <laughs> yeah, very in. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we, we went to Wid- at Lid's wedding uh, uh, last year, um, uh, and um, yeah, we, we felt like yeah. So playing with Branch has always been one of one of our favourite things collectively. Um, nice. But um, the the other one I was going to say was Cassells because Tom, I noticed you didn't bring up any of the Cassell shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, they they were the ones I found hardest to remember. That was actually a fairly <laughs> recent tour. That was at the tail end of last year. But I just can't distinguish from what day was what. The only part yeah. of that tour I remember is where we did the gig, and I can't even remember what city. And there was just an old man stood at the front dancing Hamburg. the whole way through the set. <laughs> yeah, um, that was Hamburg. And like, I like to, yeah, Hamburg. Uh, so yeah. that's like the only one that I could distinctly remember from that. Apart from maybe, and again, I don't remember what city it was. Uh, one of the Italian shows. Um, Mal- uh, the, yeah, and where the guy, the guys from Dags, kind of sorted it and put us up. Yeah, that's what I um, Yeah, um, and that was just incredibly late. But yeah, that 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 tour was great fun for many reasons. But it was all too much of a blur for me to like pick a yeah. individual moment from it. Yeah, love Yeah, love the Cassells boys, but I'd try and forget that tour as well. There, <laughs> <laughs> they won't mind me saying that. <laughs> well, were you supposed to come along or something? No, no, no. I'm just ripping into them because they they love being ribbed. So, uh, and I <laughs> this. Um, yes, sorry, Harry, go on. So I, I was going to pick the first show from that tour because I find touring very stressful because I lose my voice all the time. Um, so yeah. the first show was at the Victoria in London, another very important venue oh, for us. Yeah, yeah I was, um, but I was, you were playing the same night as Saint Pierre. Um, yeah, yeah, we we're playing at the Black Art because I was going to come along to that show. All oh, right. Oh, cool. Yeah. The the um the yeah the Victoria's just always been really um you know we've done a lot of shows there and uh, Rob's always lived in Hackney and I think he's um he's he's always brought a good draw along and we've always ended up with a nice full room and their free entry and and they sort of let you do your thing they always provide a sound person who always does a good job um so it's a nice reliable venue where you can sort of control the show and you know you can walk away with two hundred quid from the door which, well from, from the bar sorry which is a great way to start a tour. Um, so I, I I couldn't pick a Victoria show, so I picked that one um, no. because I remember that being great. Um, 
And the, the, the I've sort of got, I don't know, I haven't really done this in any order. That These are my three. My last one was the last gig that we played, which was in February this year, because another venue I've got to mention is the Exchange in Bristol, um, because we played in Aldea. And that show was, it was fairly well attended. It wasn't like a packed room, but for me, it was just the best that we've ever played. Like, I just remember thinking that um, we, I just felt like there was, it was just a perfect set for us. And I think the energy was there. And um, and yeah, I, yeah. so I think that's my three. Yeah, was that um, was that all day in Bristol? The Sugar Horse one? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that that lineup crop up, and uh, yeah, I was very jealous not to come down for that one. That was a it was about eight or nine bands playing, wasn't it? So yeah, it was, it was a busy one. They, they were sort of uh, rotating between the upstairs and the downstairs. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the upstairs room it sounds significantly better. It is the, the sort of original live room in that place. Um, but I've yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I love playing that venue. It's a bit. It's just one of the good ones for me. So uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Defo. Uh, yeah. So Tom, top three gigs been to as a fan? Then I'll be interested to hear. So <laughs> this, this <laughs> Harry's was... Harry's already laughing. So I'm just thinking status quo. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, status quo was the first gig I ever went to, but unfortunately, it didn't make the list. So. <laughs> um. So I've got three, and I couldn't really decide the order of them. Um, but um, was so when I, I got into the Big Scary Monsters bands when I was about sixteen, uh, um, purely through finding them on MySpace. I just remember trawling MySpace as acting as my band and adding other bands because that's just what you do. Um, and just coming across that music and through that, I just found all of that stuff, uh, found Holy Raw, uh, like Tangled Talk still existed at the time. Um, like, and all these other like small labels like Alcopop and whatever, as they, you know, came into my life, I just got obsessed with that. And um, for a couple of years was just listening to loads of that stuff. So when I could, I went to shows um, when I was 16 and 17, but um, I remember loads of the gig posters and whatever being like, this show is 18 plus. Um, and just being like endlessly frustrated. I couldn't go to any of them. So there was a gig a few days after I turned 18 um, that I went to. And it was quite an awkward setup actually, because I, the person driving us was my college girlfriend who I had broken up with a few days before. Um, but we were like trying to stay on good terms. <laughs> and we had already got the tickets and it was already arranged. She was going to drive me and my other friend. So we all just jumped in a car, drove to Kingston, having never been there before. Um, and got lost trying to find the venue. Um, and it was just like a slightly awkward air in the car. Everything was just kind of not great. Uh, but the second we got to the venue and the second we started watching bands, it was just, uh, I, I stopped caring that the whole situation was kind of crappy and was just like, this is so good. Uh, and we watched uh, stuff like G did, Tangled Hair and Shoes and Socks Off. Um, and it was when Toby had just put out the uh, Robin Hood Waiter Champion uh, album, which is where it's kind of lots of full band and he had a full band with him. It might even have been Ruben, actually. I'm not sure. I can't oh, wow. remember who was playing violin for it, Harry. Very, it very was, likely. Yeah. It was like two people on violin, someone on bass, someone on drums. Um, so I, I just remember just being like absolutely floored by the Shoes and Socks Off live set. It was just so good. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as the gig was over, uh, awkward, horrible atmosphere sort of resumed. <laughs> <laughs> my ex-girlfriend and my mate. Uh, but the, the gig was great. So, so that was that. Um, the, 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 other, the other, one of the other two that I've got on my list is favourite gigs ever. Um, there's a American kind of like Americana country act, which is mostly one guy um, called MC Taylor. Um, called, and and the, the like band is called His Golden Messenger. Um, and they've got like a huge back catalogue at this point of like, I don't even know how many albums, like eight, nine, something like that. Um, and two of my friends, um, Harry Phillips and Simon Treasure were just like, oh, our mate bailed, got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? Uh, I knew nothing about it. It was at uh, the Village Underground um, in London, uh, which is like beautiful, insanely high ceiling. Yeah, big, great venue. Yeah. yeah. And um, I didn't know any of the songs. I didn't really even know what kind of music it was. I just sort of said yes an hour or two before and showed up. Um, and like the second they started playing, I was just like, this is like one of my new favorite bands ever. Yeah. Um, 
yeah and just like immediately loved it and just sort of yeah was super attentive and it was just like really good crowd people singing along all the right places not being obnoxious and talking the whole way through <laughs> it was just so good um, yeah um talking talking um, about so sorry tom quick no, no, we were on. talking we were talking about uh black midi before we we jumped on the call and I remember really good memory of Village Underground. I can't remember who they were supporting now. That's really going to bug me. But um, I remember the same thing. Me and my mate went in and I was like, who the fuck is this band? Looked them up afterwards. It was like, oh, it's Black Midi. And this, wow. was like, this was like three years ago. And obviously they've blown up now. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing Black Midi before they became famous kind of yeah. thing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's a great venue as well. So they don't see enough shows there, which is a shame. But I know they've um, the Village Underground is now also partnered with Earth as well, um, which is that newish venue in um, certain new internet area. So uh, hopefully yeah, we'll yeah. see more. Hopefully we'll see more shows there. Sorry, Tom, go on. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, that's when live music finally resumes. Uh, but yeah, my my last answer. Uh, Predictably, as with my favourite gigs that we've played, is somewhat of a, a cheating answer because it's just um, Arctangent 2016. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just like like dream lineup type stuff, just bands that I really love. Uh, a lot of the ones that I love that I have loved for like ten years, so like This Town Is Guns, um, Meet Me in St Louis, um, American Football played that year, and like American Football were one of those bands that. Um, I, like everybody else, really got into the first record um, through the internet. And then when they actually did reform, I was just like, this is mad. Um, so that was good. And like Mike Cancelo did an Owen set, Lardis Beat played, Me Without You. Just like a whole weekend with like a lot of my friends went that year. There was maybe like 10 or 12 of us in total. Um, and it was like relatively good weather, which for that festival is a rarity. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just a really, really good weekend. Um, did the, like, had a beer in my hand most of the time without going insanely, you know, off it or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was just really good. Like, the whole weekend was just so good. Um, yeah, it's such a funny. Yeah, so that's, yeah, it's funny you say about uh, that year's Arc Tangent lineup. I can definitely see the different uh, different music tastes from from me to you, Tom, because that year I remember not being that fussed about going to see like American football and meet me in St. Louis. And I was sure. more, I'm more on the heavier side of Arc Tangent. But yeah, that that year, if you like that sort of mm. more indie emo kind of thing, that was an insane insane year for for that. Cool, Harry, your top yeah. three, my friend. I, I think the other, the other band that played that year that really amazed me. Well, I'm sorry, I'm lagging. Sorry, Tom. Go on, Tom. I was just going to say the, the other the other band that played that year that um, completely floored me uh, was Toe uh, from Japan, and I, I remember finding it hilarious them sound checking um, because they clearly are not particularly fluent in English and didn't have a translator there on stage. So it was a lot of like pointing and waving like this up, this down. And it took them ages to get going. But then the second they did, like the musicianship was just like floored me. Um, yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I got to go from, I'm going to go from big to small, uh, but I've got to start with the first gig I ever attended. Um, which was like my dad used to drive me and my mates from home up to um, to London occasionally for gigs, which was amazing of him because we were little shits and he, uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he had to sit in a car with us driving through London. Um, uh, and he, yeah, so we saw a lot of a lot of good you know bands at the time, early two thousands. Um, you know, we were in stuff like Taking Back Sunday and but. Um, the movie life put out an album in 2003 called 40 hour train back to Penn. And I mean, that song Jamestown, I still think it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's a bangers album. Oh, Brilliant God. album. Yeah. And, um, I got very, very into that. And then we saw that they were touring. So you, you buy rock sound or whatever, and you'd see that the tour posters there. Um, and, um, so my dad took us out. It was the mean fiddler. If you remember that. Um, yeah. And, R.I.P. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I went down with the, when the Olympics happened or something, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. They, well, they tore it down five years ago, whenever it was. Yeah, yeah. five, six years ago. And the Astoria. And the, many, the many. Sorry, go on. Yeah, many. Uh, I always talk about the Mean Fiddler because uh, like the 
the amount of insane shows I saw in there. Talking of uh, emo, I saw My Chemical Romance in there, supported wow. by Death from Above and Your Coach oh, yeah. Milo. Wow. That was that was an insane show. That was like 2004. Um, yeah. And Coincidentally, obviously your friend Ruben, but I saw the band Ruben in there um, yeah. do uh, a show that they did for the DVD and stuff. So yeah, many great memories. Anyway, sorry. Continue. No, no, no. no. <laughs> that was my only experience in that venue. Um, you know, because yeah. if I attended a gig in London, it would be a sort of one-off, get driven up by with, with my dad and go with a couple of mates from home. Um, but we, um, but we, yeah, that, that's the only time I went, and I've still got uh, the the vision of the venue layout is just imprinted in my memory. Because um, I remember my friend had broken his finger for some reason. That meant we had to sit on the the, the raised bit, um, yeah. but we were we were watching over the stage, and um, the drummer was the drummer in Rival Schools. He was filling in for the movie Life, and I was just like, "Whoa!" The drummer in Rival Schools is playing, and, he, and he's like, he's like the left-handed st- drummer playing on a right-handed kit. Um, and so I was basically watching him and my mate was a drummer too. So we, so we, were, we were in our own band at the time. Uh, and um, so we were just fascinated. And I just remember, you know, that, that album, that time, that being the first proper gig I've been to. Um, and yeah, so that had, that had to be on the list. Um, and then, um, then it has to be a Bristol gig seeing horror uh, at the exchange nice. a couple of years ago, um, because it's, it was the sort of all the aesthetics and the visuals mixed with just, the way that band are and sound, um, you know, just quite intimidating, quite, you know, quite a big visual experience. And um, that was just, it was sort of something I hadn't experienced as much before with other bands I'd seen. So that brought a new sort of level to um, to gig experience to me. Um, and I'll, that, I'll end was, with, sorry. Was that, yeah, was that when they were playing with, and I can't remember his name, um, there's like a young guy on drums. Yes. Oh my god! And he's married to um, namesake Mike Vallely, the skateboarder's daughter. Yes. Um, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, but, Mike Vallely is much older than I thought he was. He must be like fifty or something. But yeah, yeah. And his daughter's married to that guy. I don't know if he still plays drums in horror, but he's he's an insane drummer. He's got. Um, some clips up on YouTube and stuff of him covering like Dillinger Escape Plan, the Bronx and stuff. Yeah. This all sounds right. Like I, I didn't know exactly who it was, but I remember someone talking about the drummer and uh, that was a sort of fairly big focal point of, of, of the evening. Obviously. Yeah. I'll have to talk about your top one and I'm going to find out what that guy's name is. What's yes. your... <laughs> my, my last one is going to be USA Nails at the Mother's Ruin again a year or two ago. Nice. Because I've seen them play a lot, um, but there was something about that night, that particular set that they played where it was late, it was at the end of an all, all day festival thing of some sort. Um, uh, I think it was, uh, what was it? I've forgotten what it was called, but anyway, it was, um, it was, it was late at night. Um, we were all pretty drunk and I think the atmosphere, you know, you know, a gig, a lot of the time with a, with a good show, it's, it is partly to do with the audience. And I think um, at that show, it felt just like the perfect time for USA Nails to play a set. And cause you know, cause they're one of those bands that you see them sometimes and you know it's okay and then you see them other times and it just completely resonates and yeah, yeah. and uh this was that and i we walked out just completely gobsmacked and i remember none of all of us were just like because we were you know we weren't properly coherent we were quite drunk but we were like very much like what 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 just happened <laughs> what, what was so good about that and no one could put their finger on it and i've never had that experience before or since so again that one stood up to me as a unique one so that's it yeah, so that's my top three <laughs> yeah yeah i love that you said usa nails because they're they're friends of mine and i've seen them god knows how many times but i i will always remember the first time i saw them and it was when future of the left played heaven and uh, a friend of, I was going on my own. It was one of the only times I've gone to a gig on my own. And my friend was like, get there early. USA Nails are supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever. And I remember the same thing. Even in that big room, I was just like completely blown away. Um, and then, yeah, I've seen them from tiny rooms, pubs to like massive rooms. And yeah, they always, they always blow you away. They've got a great sense of humor as well. Like, yeah. like Stephen is a great front man. Um, actually like, um, he's playing a band called Kong and they've uh, just released loads of like old stuff today. And Kong were, Kong were another great band. Yeah, no, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. It's like, I think in between songs, I remember we played with them uh, at High Brazil actually, uh, a good couple, couple of years ago, um, with, uh, a band called Pet Crow. 
And they're, they're, they're yeah, yeah. yeah, really good. And, and they're, they're playing with a band called Bo Gritz, who are not that, they're not really doing much at the moment. But um, so I was very stoked on that bill. And I just remember you were seeing it was, it was a long, it was, it was during the cold snap in 2018. I think it was, um, you know, it was sort of like a long evening. And uh, <laughs> then everyone's a bit sort of getting on the, the booze a bit just to stay warm sort of thing. And um, uh, I just remember that their set at the end because Stephen always had a beer in his hand and it was basically just like a comedy set in between the songs. And yeah. It, it was just, yeah, like all round entertainment. So yeah, I got, yeah, I got to agree with that bit. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's, that's a really, really good uh, note to end on, I think, actually. Um, so yeah, thanks for those stories, guys. And those were brilliant top threes and I'm really glad um you really thought about those because those were those were brilliant so obviously just before we wrap up um other than the double single today is there anything else you want to plug or say just before we before we drop off um i don't know tom tom have you got anything yeah i mean the uh, i just wanted to sort of with the the lockdown and everything um uh just i yeah one thing i've just noticed sort of lately in life is people are finding new ways to be uh, creative without all being in the same room at the same place time, which for us has been kind of like just figuring out as we go and stuff. But yeah, there's been all these other things like popping up, um, like this, this website called Isolate Create, which uh, for people like me that enjoy um, music, music tech, yeah. for lack of a better way of putting it, um, they've just been uploading the stems to like loads of really great bands. So like uh, one of my favorite bands, Slow Mass, um, have got some stems up there, La Dispute, Converge, um, lots of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like loads of really great stuff up there that you can just access for free. Um, and I don't think any of them are being too um, careful about copyright or anything. I think it's just like, you know, everything's kind of up for grabs, do what you want with it, like put some vocals on it, mix the stems and use it in your own track, like whatever. Um, I think it's just really cool to see that like stuff like that is sort of cropping up at the moment. Um, even in like pop music, uh, Charlie XCX released an isolation album like last week or the week before, and yeah. already um, she has just released all of the stems to it, which is like pretty mad if you think historically how you know major labels and stuff are like really um, you know careful about copyright and will sue anyone for anything. Um, yeah, it's just cool. Yeah. Like stuff like that is kind of cropping up. Um, was yeah, like gold, um, gold, gold, yeah. Gold Key released an album during isolation, and a lot. I know. I don't know if a hundred percent of it was recorded during isolation, but I know a lot of it was. So that's another great example, and that will probably be in my top ten of the year because it's such a banger's album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I totally agree yeah, with the isolation. I think iso it's just like sorry, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So there was a delay again there right at the end. Delay again, longer. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on, guys, and spending the time today. Um, and I hope the the new songs get well received, and um, you get lots of listens and buys on Bandcamp. Obviously, anyone listening, um, it's Bandcamp no fees day today. Um, and just a little plug for myself is I'm actually selling these t-shirts, um, and there's a print on the back. Um, and I'm donating five quid per T-shirt towards Black Minds Matters. So if anyone's watching today, do get on that. Um, thank you guys again, and um, yeah, we'll we'll catch up soon. I hope. Thanks, Adam. That was that was really yeah. fun. I just, I, yeah, just the questions were great, and it was yeah. Thanks for having us on, man. We, we really appreciate it. That's all right, man. Cool. Thanks, guys. Have a good yeah. one. Cheers. Bye.